Now, sometimes if we go to, to Eucharistic adoration, we may feel like well, nothing's going on and all I can do is just show up. Mm-hmm. Well, good, show up <laughs> and let the Lord do what only the Lord can do within your mind and your heart as you, as you contemplate his love and bring yourself into his presence. You're searching for the meaning of life. On what certainties should we build our lives and the life of the community to which we belong? I have come to know among you nothing but Christ and Him crucified. What matters is that I believe it, or rather know. Not that I believe it, but that I believe it. We have hope. Someone who's alive today could be a saint tomorrow. That makes sense. That's why Jesus came on earth. In order to set them free with the truth of the gospel. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Upfront with the Archbishop. My name is Jenny Conley, your host. The goal of Upfront is to bridge the gap between the hierarchy and the faithful by discussing the truth, beauty, and challenges of the Catholic faith. As per usual, I am joined by Archbishop Richard Smith. Hi there. Hello. And we have a special guest in the studio today because Matthew uh, Bodnarik, our producer, he is um, out out of town um, having a baby. <laughs> well, Matthew. Yeah, there you go. I don't know if we get here. We have Alan. Uh, Alan in the house. He is our uh, brilliant webmaster for the Archdiocese, and he's running the board for us today. Alan. Hi, folks. Glad to join you. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting too, because today we're talking, the the uh, topic of today's episode is on Eucharistic adoration. Mm. And uh, right before we started recording, I was talking with Alan because he comes from the Ukrainian Catholic tradition, oh. where Eucharistic adoration, as you shared, Alan, is not really central or a part of that tradition. Um, so that's interesting because it's a huge part, at least in my experience, of the Western Roman Catholic Church. It is, Church. yeah. Right, yeah. And, and the reason that part of what inspired this episode, Your Grace, was the fact that Eucharistic 24-7 perpetual adoration has come back to the Archdiocese after COVID. So in March, at St. Andrew's Parish in Edmonton, um, the Corpus Christi Chapel of Perpetual Adoration reopened in March. So right. now we have the opportunity within our Archdiocese of having a chapel where the Eucharist is exposed 24 seven nonstop and people yep. can come whenever they want in the middle of the night, early morning. Uh, from your perspective, your grace, what does that mean for archdiocese? Why is this a big deal? The fact that we have a perpetual adoration chapel that is open and available. What does that, what, what is the particular power of having adoration available in that way? Well, I, I mean, it, it does speak um, of a couple of things. First of all, you know this this continual prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. You know, for for the individual who's doing the praying, but also prayer on behalf of of the Church and on behalf of the world. And the Lord answers those prayers. And to have have that happening twenty four seven can only have good effects. Yeah. At the same time, it's it's also an opportunity for people to be there in the act of adoration of adoring the Lord present in the blessed sacrament, which is just, just, just a beautiful, beautiful grace filled opportunity for anybody. Mm-hmm. And this, this devotion of adoring the exposed Eucharist, it, it stands on the altar generally in a monstrance. Yep. Um, actually let's define that first. What exactly is a monstrance for someone who may not be familiar? It comes from the Latin word monstrare, which basically means to show. To show. So okay. what is being shown forth in the monstrance is the blessed sacrament, i.e. the consecrated host okay. from mass. 
So we have the consecrated host exposed in this monstrance, which is this, this golden, almost golden container. It, yeah. it seems in, insufficient to describe it as such, but it's this beautiful ornate, um, it's almost like a throne where we place the yeah. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, I mean, the, the design of those is, is, uh, what's behind it is, is the desire to show as much reverence as possible for this incredible mystery of the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ substantially present in that host. Right. And so you want it to be beautiful. You want it to be right. And often it's, there's these little, um, look like rays. That, rays of that, sun. Yeah. That's right. So the, the, the love of Christ radiating out towards us. But, but, but I would also caution that yes, it's good to, to see and appreciate the beauty of the art of a monstrance, but what we're really called to gaze upon is Christ present in the blessed sacrament. Right. But you know, to get to the heart of it, people will often talk about adoration and what is this. And I'll tell you a story. This happened at World Youth Day in Germany. And Pope Benedict was the one who instituted at World Youth Day during the vigil, the night before the main closing mass, he instituted there adoration of the blessed sacrament. And, and I have to say, first of all, it was an extraordinary experience to be there with a million young adults falling to their knees as the Blessed Sacrament is exposed. And for however length of time it was, absolute silence. A million people, absolute silence. And so what that, what that gave expression to was this, this profound reverence, profound act of faith before this truth that Jesus is here before me in the Blessed Sacrament. But at Germany, during that vigil, the Pope spoke about adoration. And Benedict had this particular penchant for parsing out words and helping us understand words. So he looked at the word adoration. Because the bishops were all gathered around him, I was one of them, gathered around him listening to what he was about to say. And we all did a double take. And we all looked at one another and did we just hear what we thought we heard. And so what he, he, he looked at the, the Latin word adoratio and he said, take that apart, pull it apart. And what it means is toward the mouth. Then he said, in other words, a kiss. Oh, and we all, <laughs> what, what, what did he just say? You know, Benedict, the great intellect, right? The life of the concepts, but no, adoration Pope towards Benedict. Pope Benedict, to, towards the mouth, I guess. In other words, adoration is that moment to sit in loving contemplation of the one who loves us beyond all imagining, right? Mm. Um, yes, we can pray to the Lord in so many different ways, right? Um, uh, he is present to us in a multitude of fashions. We all understand this, but what has been given to us in the mystery of the Eucharist is this opportunity to to adore the Lord in this particularly beautifully intimate act of of mutual love? Now, at the same time, we always have to be careful to maintain the link between this act of adoration and the celebration of the Eucharist, which made it possible. You know, the the great act of contemplation, adoration, love is the Mass, obviously, because they were drawn into communion when we receive the Lord. But this this this. Eucharistic adoration devotion is just one logical consequence that flows out from the truth that Christ remains perennially present in the transformed bread, the consecrated host. Mm -hmm. And therefore, 
it remains present to us for this act of love, this act of adoration. Mm -hmm. So adoration is kind of like lingering with the one you love. That's a beautiful way to put it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's a time to contemplate um, as, as we look upon the host, contemplate the one who is substantially present within it. Contemplate the love that he manifested for us on the cross. Contemplate his mercy. Contemplate the wonder of the incarnation that he in fact became one of us and allow, allow the Lord to awaken within us those various thoughts that are worthy of our contemplation. What Lord do you want to, to reveal to me of yourself in this moment? What do you want to bring to my mind, bring to my memory? How do you want to awaken within me here and now the awareness of my need for you, the, the depth of my love for you. And how can you deepen all that love within me right here and now? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dynamic encounter. Now, now sometimes if we go to, to Eucharistic adoration, we may feel like well, nothing's going on and all I can do is just show up. Mm-hmm. Well, good show up <laughs> and let the Lord do what the Lord can only the Lord can do within your mind and your heart as you, as you contemplate his love and bring yourself into his presence. The only time our Lord asked the apostles for anything was the night he went into his agony. As often in the history of the church since that time, evil was awake, but the disciples were asleep. Could you not watch one hour with me? Not for an hour of activity did he plead, but for an hour of companionship. With those words of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen, likewise here at Upfront, we would like to encourage our listeners to spend time with our Lord in adoration, especially at the Adoration Chapel located at St. Andrew's Center on 111th Avenue. Since 2005, the chapel has been the Archdiocese of Edmonton's dedicated 24-hour Adoration Chapel. Come, rest with our Lord, and consider signing up for a committed hour a week. The details and sign-up link are in the show notes. The, the ebb and flow of a relationship is, is natural in terms mm-hmm. of feelings on the level of sure. feelings. So yep. when we're arriving at adoration, maybe we won't feel this adoring passion or something like that, but the presence is nevertheless just as powerfully real. Oh, the presence of the of course, Lord of course. and our presence. Cause we're, we, we are there physically yep. too. Yeah. Yep. Was adoration a big part of your formation as a Catholic before you were a priest? Do you remember that devotion being um, prevalent in in the church? And uh, yeah, I do actually. I'm thinking back to my home parish in in Halifax growing up, and on Sunday afternoons it was probably once a month. Okay, um, Eucharistic adoration would be available for for parishioners probably for a couple of hours on a Sunday afternoon, and I do remember going Mm. and liking to go. Okay. It was there and, and being quiet and just trusting and knowing that this is the Lord who loves me and I want to grow in my love for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's called adoration. So it's not just spending time with Jesus. The word adoration calls to mind worship, adoring, you know, bowing yep. before something. Should that be an important part of the disposition that we're carrying into adoration? It's not just sitting with Jesus and letting him radiate onto us. It is also like we 
justice demands that we adore him. We're not just yes. hanging out. Yeah, well, absolutely. But again, the, 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 um, the initiative always belongs with God. The initiative does. So his, his love radiates upon us and that's, that's what transforms us. I, I do think though, as we enter into the presence of the blessed sacrament, we have to call to mind what this is, who this is, and that naturally in the first moment will bring us to our knees. Um, in the in an act of submission, in an act of, as you say, adoration, um, in an act of surrender, yeah. and then allowing the Lord to speak to us and act within us as he chooses to at that moment. So when it comes to adoration, especially if you're there for the entire time of a segment of adoration, maybe your parish has an hour-long mm-hmm. uh, session of adoration, and it begins with what we call exposition. Right. And there's this hymn that is commonly sung to signify the exposition when the monstrance is placed on the tap, uh, sorry, the monstrance is placed on the altar and Jesus is exposed. Right. Uh, and it's known as the O Salataris. O saving victim. O saving yes. victim. Why do we sing that at the beginning of adoration? It, it's a way of acknowledging that he is the one who gave his life for us in the, in, in the cross. That, 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 act of, of self gift that was salvific for the world. Right? He, he, in this sense is the saving victim. So it's a way of just, just calling to mind, you know, for all of us who he is and the love that in, into whose presence we are now coming when we enter into adoration. Mm-hmm. So there's the, so the priest or the designated person uh, exposes the Eucharist at the beginning. Then there's a time of prayer where mm-hmm. people are in adoration. And then the, the is it correct to say the rite of adoration? Is that the correct terminology? No, there, there would be rituals a, within that time of adoration. Okay. So there's the, the act by which the, the, the sacred host is transferred from the tabernacle into the monstrance, yeah. for as you say, exposition. Then towards the end, there's the rite of benediction. Benediction is what we close out. So blessing, with. benediction means blessing. Okay. So this is, we are, we are blessed in a, in a wonderful way uh, by the, the blessed sacrament itself in the present, as the, in, the, in the monstrance, as the priest lifts the monstrance and blesses us uh, with the blessed sacrament. Yeah. And, and you'll notice too, that when the priest does that, his shoulders and hands are covered by what we call the humeral veil. Okay. So his hands are covered. And it's one way of, of emphasizing that the blessing at this moment is not really coming through the hands of the priest as he blesses us, oh. but, but from the blessed sacrament itself. The humeral veil, does he wrap his hands around it so he doesn't touch the monstrance? Or? No, again, it's to, it's to emphasize the okay. fact that it's not through the hands of the priest, but directly from the blessed sacrament that this blessing this benediction okay. is coming to the people. So the priest is kind of veiling himself. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay. And benediction, as you said, the the central element of benediction is when the priest lifts, lifts the monstrance and he, at least the way I've seen it, generally moves the monstrance back and forth in a motion of, of making sure that the um, whoever the congregation that's there is covered. That motion is well, he's just, making the sign of the cross, oh, and, the we'll, sign and, of the cross. and we'll do right. that broadly in order to show that the blessing is for all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I've noticed that when it comes to the beginning of benediction, what signifies the end of this time of adoration, the tantum ergo hymn is generally sung. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I believe in Latin, tantamergo means down in adoration or? That's how we will translate it, down in adoration. So we're falling to our knees and we're adoring. Okay. And that hymn is chosen simply because it is a way of honoring our Lord. Yeah, and it's and it's a traditional hymn. It's, it's a, hymn. It, written by St. Thomas Aquinas himself. You know, yeah. and some, some of Th- Thomas Aquinas's hymns pertaining to the Eucharist are just stunning in their beauty and in the theological depth. There's one line, this, the Tantum Ergo hymn, for anyone who's heard it, there's many lines, and, and we can't go through the entirety of it, but there's one line that I, I wanted your comment on. Um, it's the third line in the Tantum Ergo hymn, and it says, in English, um, low o- over ancient forms departing, newer rites of grace prevail. What does that mean that the ancient is passing and a new rite of grace is prevailing? Why are we paying attention to that in that moment? Really what's behind that is, is the teaching of scripture, particularly to the Hebrews, that Christ is the high priest. Okay. All right. He is the one who offered himself on the altar of the cross that is the all-sufficient um, act of reparation to God. It is also the supreme act of worship. And so in his death on the cross, Jesus was both priest and victim, bringing about reconciliation between God and humanity, manifesting the essence of true worship, but in all of that, thereby bringing to fulfillment and surpassing all the prior ancient rites of worship. Okay. Right. Um, So all of that now is surpassed in this supreme act of worship in Jesus Christ. Okay. So essentially when we're singing that hymn, we're saying this is the the zenith of worship. This is, this is the greatest. Nothing surpasses this. Nothing surpasses this. Okay. Now there's the, during the the ritual of benediction, there's the, Antimergo, there's the elevation of our Lord and the monstrance by the priest. Then there's divine praises where the priest repeats, blessed be God, blessed mm-hmm. be his holy name. Mm-hmm. And it's this litany that increases in length and it's, it's naming the different names of our Lord and um, blessed be the great mother of God, Mary most holy. Um, it's, a, it's a long list of names of God and saints. Why is that? Why are the divine praises said, and why is it called the divine praises? I'd need to take a look to see how that first entered into the rite of benediction. I'm not quite yeah. sure of the history of this, but it yeah. it just it just flows naturally from mm-hmm. this act of adoration. Here we have, in our very presence, we've just been blessed by the true body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, and that cannot but usher forth from within the heart the praise of God, mm-hmm. praise which is multiform praise which is difficult to contain and so uh, from that you you what has developed is this litany this litany of praises we could go on and on and on i'm sure beyond the list that's there but this is what yeah. has become the traditional list and praise of christ leads to praise of his mother leads to the honoring of saint joseph leads to the the recognition of god's wondrous deeds in and through his saints it's all just it all just flows forth from this act of, of adoration, adoration, and, and 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 really can't have an end. But we we do the best that we can to express the breadth of our praise. Yeah, and then after the divine praises, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this the right way. Reposition, reposition, reposition? yeah, the reposition, reposition. Yeah. So which... returning the blessed sacrament to the tabernacle. Okay, simply the process of bringing yep. it back to the tabernacle. Okay, now adoration in itself 
is not a sacrament. And as you said earlier, it flows from the mass. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the mass is the source and summit, yep. not adoration, right? Precisely. Is this an important part of being a Catholic? Is it is, is, is it an essential part of being a Roman Catholic? Not in the same way that the sacraments are. No, no of course not. No. Um, what is essential is the Eucharist, the Eucharistic celebration and, and participating in mass and everything that that means. Um, what we do have here though is, is a, is a traditional devotion that has arisen from the mystery of the Eucharist, which we receive as a great grace and a great gift. So let, let us, let us benefit from it. Does our posture in adoration matter? If we're kneeling or sitting or laying down or sitting on the floor or sitting in a chair, I know that sometimes in, um, youth culture, sometimes adoration can become informal in the sense Mm. that, you know, everyone's maybe crowding around the altar or, or sitting down or laying down. This does happen, especially in youth ministry contexts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, there, there maybe there's some, you know, good and bad mixed in there. Um, probably lots of good intentions um, as a baseline, but um, should we be cognizant of how we are placing ourselves physically during adoration, considering just how um, it's, it's a big deal. We're, we're standing before God, yeah, I think for a couple of reasons we have to be attentive to that because our bodily gesture is one way in which we express the sentiments of our heart. Right. right. So uh, the sentiment of the heart coming before adoration is one of reverence, one of awe before this mystery, ultimately one of love. So does my bodily gesture reflect that? I think also, too, there's a, there's a prophetic witness dimension to this also. So if, if someone were to doesn't know anything about this. Mm-hmm. We're to come into the church and see people gathered before the blessed sacrament. Uh, what would our posture say to them about what we believe, about what is actually happening here? If we're just kind of lounging about, well, that, that doesn't really reflect respect, awe, reverence. But if, pe- if someone were to come in and see people seated, sure, but obviously deeply meditative or on their knees before this, that's going to say, oh, oh, my heavens, something extraordinary is happening here. So we need to be very attentive to our gesture for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, Your Grace, thank you so much for sharing on this topic. You're welcome. And um, if you are interested in participating in adoration, there is information in the show notes about the Perpetual Adoration Chapel that is located at St. Andrew's Parish in Edmonton. Uh, it's called the Corpus Christi Perpetual Adoration Chapel. If you'd like to sign up for a regular slot of adoration, uh, there is a sign up again in the show notes, or you can just drop in whenever is convenient for you. But we have this beautiful gift of perpetual adoration in the Archdiocese, and we want to see more and more people taking advantage of this beautiful devotion. So thank you for tuning in. If you haven't already, subscribe to Upfront Updates, our email community, where you can stay in touch with us, give us feedback, and make sure you never miss an episode. Go again to the show notes, sign up for Upfront Updates. God bless you all, and we'll see you next Tuesday for another episode of Upfront with the Archbishop. Archbishop.